Welcome to the Breaking Health Podcast, a series of discussions with the most disruptive CEOs and leaders in digital health. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Breaking Health Podcast. This is Tom Salemi. I'm here to introduce our great host, Steve Krupa. Hey, Steve. Hey, Tom. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Suffering from a little Trump fatigue, but uh, working through it, muscling through it. How about yourself? I'm good. Congratulations on the Pats going to the Super Bowl again. Very good. Yeah, yeah. Now you know what it's like to be a Yankee fan. (laughs) (laughs) At least how it used to be, being a Yankee fan. (laughs) I'm sorry. You tried to be nice, and I smack you right down. I'm a small person. Well, let's uh, let's get on target. We had a great conversation with Bob Sheehy. Why don't you tell us a bit about Bob Sheehy? I know you, you opened the conversation, and you you were very uh, uh, eager to talk to him. He's obviously been some someone who's been in healthcare for for a long time and has done a lot of great things. Yeah, he's a guy who's who's had a, had a complete career in healthcare uh, from from back when there it was more an indemnity insurance model. You know, through the advent of the HMO, he got to spend a lot of time inside of United Healthcare, which was a very, uh, a very is obviously a very meaningful company in the uh, health insurance marketplace today. But he got to see it sort of grow uh, as a young HMO that that grew through through uh, a series of large and small and medium sized acquisitions into really a healthcare powerhouse. He got to be president of the insurance company there, Health uh, United Healthcare. And he um, kind of kind of retired and uh, saw some of the changes that were taking place and an opportunity to deploy his expertise um, first as an investor and now as the founder of, of a new company um, in the uh, in the insurance space that, that that's very interesting. So our conversation really gets to span a little bit of history, a little bit of a history lesson. Uh, gets to talk about a, uh, the challenges that HMOs faced as they tried to grow their business. And gets to talk about you know some of the, the potential opportunities to improve the quality and cost of care using uh, the insurance model and a commitment to consumer outreach and technology. So it's kind of a cool conversation. And where is Bright Health sort of fitting into the the big picture? Uh, they've got a unique approach to uh, to providing coverage and into partnering with providers. I think they've got a unique uh, perspective in terms of wanting to partner with uh, strong provider brands. And deliver, uh, you know, a consumer experience to the health insurance product that's that's new and unique, uh, with the ambition that that uh, with that with that 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 approach will one help them win business, help them get membership, uh, get them hot to high rates of customer satisfaction, which would be a, a, an extremely uh, unique uh, accomplishment in the health insurance space, where customer satisfaction ratings are generally low, and and also to be able to provide a strategic benefit to their provider groups, you know, as Medicare Advantage expands, the provider complex in this country um, is going to be very interested in uh, being able to participate on in that, not just as a provider of care, um, but as a uh, as a potential uh, partner in an insurance product, and that's what that's Bright Health's strategy uh, in a nutshell, and and you know from what I can tell. That opportunity is very significant in the marketplace, and a lot of people are chasing after it. Yeah, that's great. They've had a lot of great success in uh, in fundraising, and we're happy to have them on the podcast. So uh, let's get into this interview with Bob Sheehy, the founder of Bright Health. 
everybody. Welcome to the Breaking Health Podcast. I'd like to introduce you to uh, Bob Sheehy, the founder and CEO of Bright Health. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Bob. Thanks, Dave. It's good to be here with you. Yeah, this is this is an exciting conversation for me because I'm really going to be, you know, a lot of the entrepreneurs that I have on uh, on the program are, are new to healthcare and uh, you know, sort of millennials or sort of a little bit older than that, starting their first company. And uh, uh, this is really an honor to actually speak with you. You're one of the the, the great managers in the health insurance business over over time, and uh, and now you now you've decided to come back and sort of be an entrepreneur, entrepreneur again. So uh, I'm really I'm really glad we're going to get a chance to talk. Well, well, thank you. I appreciate that very much. So um, I'm going to ask you to go backward. You know, actually, I got in, I got into the healthcare area out of business school in like 1994, mm-hmm. um, and the first. First thing I worked on was the merger of Aetna and U.S. Healthcare. That was I was an investment banker, mm-hmm. and that's how I sort of got my feet wet in health insurance. Um, I'd love to hear you know sort of the beginnings for you. How did you find yourself a health insurance executive? Was it something you aspired to, or was it circumstantial? Yeah, I was uh, um, in uh, graduate school, and uh, I had an advisor. I was actually going to work at Kaiser Permanente as a medical economist. I was a applied economics major. Yeah. And um, professor, a professor told me to sign up and uh, join up with a, and do an internship at a small provider-based health plan that was not dissimilar to U.S. healthcare. It was uh, started uh, in the uh, early '80s and uh, joined with them. I think in 1983, uh, right out of graduate school. Kind of did. It was one of their early employees. Did a little bit of everything, and then uh, turns out that. Uh, this was in Colorado Springs, Colorado. We yeah. were opening an office in Pueblo, Colorado. They needed somebody to do that. So uh, for some reason, they chose me. And so it, it, uh, I was down there um, a few years out of college, kind of leading a new health plan. And uh, did that for a year. And uh, then they sent me out to Cincinnati, Ohio, to uh, start another health plan in Cincinnati. The company was called Peak Health. And, and that company was purchased by United Healthcare in 1986. So... That's kind of how I got into United and uh, spent my career kind of managing um, regional, local operations, building health plans, managing health plans in uh, in the Ohio area. Moved to Columbus. We acquired a United acquired a uh, health plan in Columbus, Ohio, and I went up to run that. A few years later, maybe five years later, um, I was asked to come up to uh, Minneapolis. So um, to to run all the health plans and insurance for United Healthcare. So in 1998, moved my family from Columbus, Ohio, to Minneapolis, and mm-hmm. uh, have lived here ever since. So so um, did that for a number of years, and um, had a, just a great great experience at United. Great company, um, you know, uh, a different company um, now than when I started. But, sure. Uh, but really, has uh, kept the underlying values and philosophy and um, kind of leadership so so left there in 2009 um, retired and uh, you know wanted to spend more time in my golf game and <laughs> doing fun things like that and uh, uh, did that for a while but got involved in, uh, in investing and uh, working with uh, private equity and venture funds um, did that for a few years and Saw a lot that was going on in terms of the kind of companies you were talking about, the right. early stage startups, and thought um, 
which really kind of a unique opportunity to to uh, do it differently to build a uh, a new type of of health plan uh, for consumers and and uh, just over a year ago we we formed Bright Health with Kyle Rolfing and Tom Valdivia, my two co-founders. Sure. We uh, came up with the concept of Bright Health and decided to let's see if we can do it differently and uh, do it in a way that uh, can have a, a uh, significant impact on, on the consumer marketplace. Yeah, so if you go back just to, to, to 1986, I won't spend too much time back then, but United was sort of a small company. It was the beginning of the HMO boom, right? And mm-hmm. and they sort of made their, their bones, if you will, doing a lot of acquisitions very quickly. That's how they sort of built up their critical mass. Can you give, can you reflect back on the, on the HMO the d- days? Do you think that, that uh, and then which eventually, you know, sort of converted into more open network products that we have today. Um, were we doing it right with the HMO, and, and was that really the right solution for uh, providing better health care at lower cost, or are we on the right trajectory now today? Yeah, I think it was, a, it was an interesting um, time. Um, it's, it's kind of ironic that like Richard Nixon developed the HMO Act, which was designed to address uh, the kind of the increasing cost in the health insurance marketplace, which was pretty much dominated by kind of large indemnity carriers. So, so as a way to get some competition in the marketplace, um, the HMO was passed in probably late 70s sometime, but uh, the idea was to um, move people away from high deductibles and high co-insurance into more co-payment plans, so more comprehensive coverage that was more built around health care mm-hmm. and organizing and delivering health care more effectively than health insurance. So, so um, I think there are a lot of really positive uh, components of, of of that model, and I think it's um, I think it still is inevitably it's it's going to have to be the way that um, I think we really get the kind of results out of the American healthcare system that we're looking for. But that was uh, that was developed, um, and several companies sprung up out of that. You mentioned U.S. Healthcare, MaxiCare, United Healthcare, Peak Health, the company I was at, and um, and they were, were kind of, uh, most of them were acquired or affiliated with uh, with larger insurance companies. United was a little different, that United would work with physicians and uh, medical, medical societies and local communities to build IPA health plans, which were more open access, broader based, and that had a lot of marketing appeal, particularly mm-hmm. to employer groups, because there was you know broad coverage and you could get, get coverage. So United grew as a, an administrator for many of those plans. The plans were actually owned by the physicians, and uh, um, uh, we uh, United kind of went through and then began acquiring many of those plans, most of those plans, and that that kind of laid the foundation for um, for United Healthcare on a regional basis. Is is my history right when I when I when I say that the HMOs actually did have a big impact on the growth of medical expense when they first came in into being, and that really we've start we started to see this. Uh, ongoing acceleration in medical costs over the years because of the fact that the bottom line is there were restrictions to the to, to who you were who were who was in network and they were pretty substantial in the HMO products and as we've gone to more open open network we the uh, it's been more difficult to to control costs is that a, is that sort of a, an old wives tale or is that a true a truism in your mind no i think that is that is true um i think the um Kind of one of the the issues with the um, kind of the HMO model was it's it, it's hard to make it work in a an employer group environment because 
um, just by design, the the it's a network that's that's a defined network that's kind of organized in a way to provide enough capacity to meet the medical needs of the people they serve. Right. And um, and that works well, I think, in the consumer market because a consumer can either choose that or not choose that plan. In an employer market, when an employer chooses that plan, there there are likely going to be many people in that employer group who can't receive, who won't receive care, or don't want to receive care through that uh, designated network. So, so that kind of uh, the employer group model almost pushes the uh, the issue of broad-based coverage and broad-based networks, and um, and that's very attractive in the employer market because when you look at the disruption that would occur. With a with a more limited network to the employees' coverage, it's much easier to to minimize that disruption through a a PPO or a a broad based uh, offering. So so that was that was really kind of the I think the issue is that 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 model um, doesn't work uh, effect as effectively in a employer group model. Now the way that they got around that was. Um, there was a dual option where um, right. an employer could offer either the HMO, who would offer an HMO and offer the indemnity insurance plan. And um, I think that was, um, that kind of was one of the catalysts to get the insurance companies to begin acquiring the HMO. So, yeah. so yeah. you saw a lot of uh, consolidation. And I don't think, I think probably the only, you know, standing company that came out of that HMO movement is probably United Healthcare. I think all the rest were, were acquired. Yeah. Um, and and there was also a very significant focus on like I remember, Prudential had you know medical groups right they had medical groups that they built their HMO products around, and there was this notion that's kind of coming back today right that you know you build, you want to build you know maybe a more interactive higher touch primary care model uh, with the goal of sort of you know contracting utilization in the specialty networks. That was a lot of what the older HMOs were trying to do, and and I think we're starting to see that trend come back a little bit, right? In, That's right. It's very much about health care. Yeah. You know, how do you organize and deliver health care more effectively, have a better experience for consumers? It was, it was much more about that than it was about insurance. Yeah. And, um, you know, insurance was an important component, but, but, um, but there's a lot of emphasis through... Um, you know, companies like Prudential or Prucare um, and, and others, in terms of how do we begin delivering healthcare differently and and getting better results by um, managing populations within organized delivery systems. Very cool. So, so with that as a, with that as background, of course, United Healthcare became a very large company with all products, health insurance related and HMO related, and now you're sort of coming back with Bright Health. As a modern version of a health plan, and and what will be different in a modern version of a health plan uh, as it relates to what we we see most often in the market today, and maybe even perhaps what we saw during the uh, the invention of the HMO uh, back in the eighties. Well, it's, yeah, it's um, it's funny in that uh, you look at the, the significant trends, and uh, you know they really haven't changed much uh, over the past. Uh, 20, 30 years. Right. Um, but, but one of the things that uh, we saw, there are two, two... By the way, it is 30 years, Bob. Just, yeah, just doing years, the math yeah. real quick in my head there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's okay. It, it, go, it goes by quickly. It uh, does. 
does. Yeah, I think they're health plan years and, and normal years. But, uh, <laughs> but the um, kind of two trends that uh, we saw developing, one was the uh, emergence of the consumer, that really a focus on how do we provide uh, individual, individual coverage to, to more people, either through the individual marketplace or through private exchanges with employers. And then what we saw was that when consumers are making decisions about their health care, price is really important. That they, they look at price because it's coming out of their pocket and uh, they may get uh, some help from a government, but they, they really focus on price. So that was pretty interesting. Um, sure. Kind of the, the brand awareness, the name brand affinity was was didn't play out in healthcare, health insurance, as it did in other industries. It was really about how do you provide a more affordable offering. So, so we thought about the other kind of component, which was the um, integrated delivery systems that we're developing, really, basically in every market across the country, where where health systems started to move from patient health exclusively to begin begin thinking about population health. So, um, how do they organize? doctors, physicians within their community to become a network? How do they share information? How do they manage patients across different care settings more effectively? And um, really kind of emerging is a kind of organized delivery systems. So uh, we thought, well, if we can find the leading healthcare delivery systems in geographic markets that are really committed to providing uh, better quality, better outcomes, a better experience at a better cost, um, we could we could have a competitive advantage in the marketplace as we we um, uh, market to um, individuals. So, so that was kind of the basic, the two core principles of Bright Health. Let's build a consumer company supported by technology, working really in very close partnership with integrated delivery systems. So, so that was uh, you know last a year ago, you know just over a year ago. That, that's when we. Uh, uh, that's the concept we came up with and formed uh, Bright Health. Yeah, I, lo- I love that concept. And, it, it, you know, I've always said, so I go back to what clarifying point on what, uh, on what you had said previously, this notion of uh, uh, when, you're, when, you're, when you're paying out of pocket as a consumer, you sort of look first to cost. That's definitely true if you actually, you know, if you actually know what the cost is, right? But the other piece of it is, is I've always felt that, you know, as good as these insurance companies are, many of them are very good companies that a insurance product from a prestigious health delivery institution is a very interesting branding exercise, right? So I, I think about, I know, I know you spent some time here in New York, so I think about, wow, if New York Presbyterian had a health plan, I'd be very interested in buying that product, right? Right. Uh, by virtue, just by virtue of the brand associated with, uh, with that company. And it, and it sounds like that's, that's part and parcel of your thinking uh, in starting Bright. Is that right? Yeah, so we co-brand. Um, we we um, we look for the, the you know the leading system that has um, kind of a comprehensive range of services in, in the geography. And, and most you know metropolitan areas across the country have competing health systems. There are very few that just have one system. So we have competing health systems. We look for the systems that are um, have kind of a comprehensive range of services, um, have um, great quality perception, great quality in reality. And actually, are interested in moving to more of a um, value-based offering to consumers, so um, so they can become more affordable. They can become more affordable in the marketplace. So, so um, we thought, you know, if we could find those, 
uh, and build and, and really partner with them. We, we, the term we use is care partnership, is to partner with them to design the benefits, design the, the delivery system, design the um, formulary, design the marketing, design the outreach, do all that together. We can, um, we can really kind of work in a collaborative way with health systems as opposed to kind of a win-lose arrangement. So, so that's, um, that's what we've done. And we started in Denver found a great system, the Centura Health System, which sure. is in Denver. And it's kind of all along the front range of Colorado. So we offered, um, uh, they're our, our first care partner and began working with them in 2016 and uh, are in the market in uh, the front range of Colorado as of one one seventeen. And so you're kind of back to where you started for geographically anyway with your new business right here in, here in Colorado. It's, it's totally, uh, totally um, happenstance, but uh, it's... <laughs> It's kind of fun. Actually, some of the people I work with in Colorado are still there, too. The so cyclicality kind of... of life is awesome, right? You never know <laughs> when it's going to hit you, but it happens. That's it right. Happens. So, so tell me, you know, as you, as you think about going to market uh, with Centura and, and, and the product, where, where do you feel you're going to be strategically differentiated in the way you design your products and in the way you sort of design the, you know, design the interaction with the consumer in mind? Well, um, well, a couple things. One is that we're we're purpose built for the consumer marketplace. So um, everything we've done uh, from the user interface to how people enroll to how they choose a plan to how they do their health risk assessment um, is all is all built uh, with the consumer in mind and only the consumer in mind. If you, if you kind of look at the whole health insurance process, um, it, there are a lot of uh, uh, pain points in you know trying to find health insurance, enroll in health insurance, buy health insurance. And by looking at that from the cons- consumer perspective, uh, we've been able to um, um, really kind of re-engineer that whole process so it's a much more engaging, um, people-centric process. Now, what we've had to do to do that, we've had to build a team of people who know something about health insurance, people like me, people that know something about health care, have worked in hospitals and health systems, people who know something about consumer marketing or experts in consumer marketing that may not know much about healthcare other than being a consumer and uh, people with a technology background that really don't have a lot of healthcare experience but know a lot about how to use uh, technology to um, engage consumers, help consumers make decisions, support consumers. So so um, I think one of the things that's unique is we've brought this, these four categories of, um, of people together and uh, we're working together to um, really kind of uh, develop and uh, evolve that uh, that experience for consumers. Just as important is working with the health system. So, yeah. so with Centura, we um, had uh, kind of a, a joint governance model where uh, we worked together in designing where we want to market, how we want to market, what areas we want to promote within the Centura health system. How are we going to manage utilization together? You know, every every uh, morning we have a joint uh, review of the admission activity, the utilization activity, high cost cases. So it's a, it's a much different approach than um, than typical insurance companies. Mm-hmm. It's really about um, how do we work together in that collaborative way to um, to bring a, a better better value and a better experience and better outcomes to the consumers we're serving. Hey everybody, Tom here. Just want to take a quick break from this conversation with Bob Shee to ask you to subscribe to the Breaking Health newsletter. This will have uh, the Breaking Health podcast sent directly to your inbox along with a write-up of our guest 
and also some of our video content from our Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit, which we held in November in Boston. So go to healthogy.com. Healthogy is the producer of the Brave Health Podcast and the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit. Go to healthogy.com. That's the word health, followed by the letters E-G-Y. Just give us your email. It's absolutely free. And we'll send the Breaking Health podcast and newsletter directly to you. Now back to this conversation. So when I, when I think about uh, consumer markets, obviously the first market you, you think about is sort of the individual exchange market. And you might think about Medicare, obviously, consumer market from, from Medicare Advantage anyway. Um, maybe Medicaid to some extent, right? Depends on, on how you want to market into, into that, that area. Um, where have you focused your attention? And and if I you know I say I say this: the group plans are eventually going to evolve. Like all the capabilities you're going to build for consumers, I'm sure the corporates want for their group health plans. But it's a different sale, right? It's a different sort of marketing and sales value stream, if you will, to go go into the commercial market. So how have you how have you chosen to focus your your effort on the market? Is it mostly exchange and Medicare, or are you thinking about the other product, other lines of business as well? Yeah, so we, um, because of kind of working with uh, Centura, we, we initially focused on the, the exchange, the marketplace in, in Denver. So as of 1-1-17, um, we've got 10,000, just about 10, just over 10,000 people in the, the um, exchange and uh, the marketplace in, in Colorado. Um, but in 2018, we we expect to be in um, three Medicare Medicare Advantage markets. So we're working with CMS to get into um, Medicare markets, not just in Colorado, but uh, in uh, in two or three additional markets. Very cool. Yeah. So, but I think I lo- we look at the same way you look at it. Is uh, you mentioned is that it's really um, what's fascinating is that in healthcare we think of patients, we think of um, People who are, you know, receiving care, but but much of health insurance is about consumers, about people who don't necessarily, aren't necessarily patients. So um, our view is, if we can work with health systems to think more about consumers as opposed to patients, we can um, we can really promote the capabilities that they have, the services they have, the the um, kind of the unique advantages that the health systems have to the consumer marketplace. So. Um, but and we don't want to restrict that based on sources of payment. So it could be, um, you know, could be Medicaid. It could be individual payment. It could be uh, an employer contribution. Now that the, um, you know, health small business healthcare relief act has been passed, it could be a, a Medicare a Medicare payment. So so we can work at all that payment stuff behind the scenes. It's really about how do we make sure that the the consumer and the health system are connected through really all stages of life. That's cool. That, 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 yeah, I, it, obviously, you and I are talking on inauguration day. I don't know when this will eventually hit the uh, hit the hit the wire, but probably in a week or two. But um, I don't think we can we can really predict either one of us where the uh, the individual market is going to go. But I'll, I'll make a prediction, which is more general as opposed to specific, that the individual market is probably here to stay. Um, that. There is some meaningful amount of customer satisfaction in first being able to get health insurance in the first place and then being able to select your own individual plan, which you can obviously do on the exchange and also in, in, in Medicare. Do you, do you see, I, th- I think the market might evolve to be a market where you'll be able to differentiate more versus just the metal levels of underwriting. Um, do you think that's where we're heading or 
do you think we're we're heading to a catastrophe? I'll give you like, and obviously it's speculation at this point, right? But yeah, it's um, you know I think the there there was an individual market before the Affordable sure. Care Act. You know there 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 is an individual market um, that that's kind of been expanded to the Individual Care Act or the Affordable Care Act, but um, and there will be a individual marketplace. Um, you know, a year or two years from now, it'll, it'll, how different it is than it is today, um, it's hard to know because, um, but, but the, the goals of, I think, policymakers are, you know, how do we provide more coverage, you know, more affordably to more people, um, are generally built around, um, how do we use, uh, how do we provide consumers more choice? How do we give them more options, help consumers stay in charge of their health care? So, so I think um, our view is that if we stay focused on providing a differentiated consumer experience, it's more affordable, better outcomes, better experience, that's going to that's gonna be successful regardless of the regulatory scheme. You know, one of the things I learned at United, uh, since we were in all 50 states, actually internationally, is that um, you really can't exclusively depend upon the regulatory framework to keep your business propped up. You have to have a core fundamental uh, proposition to your customer. And if you do that, you need to be able to adapt to the regulatory framework because every state before the Affordable Care Act had a different regulatory framework as it related to uh, insurance markets and individual markets, any of the markets. So, um, so that flexibility is something that we're building into bright health. And we think it's going to be, um, it's going to be essential as we move into the future. Yeah, I would, I would, I'll, I'll tell you my preference. I would love to see the markets move in a direction where uh, you can provide a greater degree of personalization and sort of uh, differentiation in benefit designs, provider networks, cost quality, things of those things, as opposed to sort of just jumping into a, uh, an actuarial category and doing the best you can on price, right? Yeah. Um, I'd love to see that happen. I think that would actually improve uh, price and quality just by the very nature of the customizations that consumers could create for themselves in the marketplace. Yeah, it's, um, I think that's a great concept, um, and I agree conceptually. Are you going to tell me how hard it is to do? Not <laughs> uh, to go down the rabbit hole. Uh, rabbit hole. The, the issue, the complexities around those offerings and what you cover and what you don't cover have a big impact on um, on the overall population and uh, and how how that uh, you know how the, uh, the underlying health conditions either um, uh, emerge or are dissuaded from enrolling. So, so you have to be thoughtful, and I think policymakers have to be thoughtful on how they do that. But, but giving people flexibility and choice, and um, I think is is all, is all that stuff is really important. I think, it, and that will be differentiators in the marketplace in the future. And as you mentioned, and not just for people on the individual market or Medicare market or or Medicaid market, but for the employer marketplace as. Uh, things like private exchanges where people have an opportunity to choose among a variety of plans those ty- that type of differentiation is going to be is going to be important well very good I, I this is uh this has been a wonderful conversation i think a lot of people probably learned you know quite a bit of how things are evolving we've got a, just a couple of minutes left so i'd like to talk about management right i mean you have obviously run some pretty cool businesses over the course of your career 
and uh, management styles and management uh, techniques and organizational philosophies and and uh, architectural philosophies about how to structure a business, you know, certainly evolve over over time. You mentioned uh, in in the conversation that you've got sort of group four groups of people in there, and I think one of those groups is software programmers who are sort of finding their way into healthcare companies at large scale for probably the, the first time. We always had the IT department, but now we're actually you know companies are actually developing their own software. So, so give me a sense. What is it? What is it like from your perspective to come back into the industry and run a company in, in this in this modern era of technology and uh, and the different uh, needs of the employee base that you're recruiting into the company? Yeah, it's um, that's been a lot of fun. It's it's a really important focus for uh, for Bright Health, and um, I think you know it's kind of the, the unvarnished thing is you have to get the best possible people you can get. Mm-hmm. To build a great company, you need lots of great people. And uh, to attract great people, you have to have a kind of work environment that they're looking for and uh, is uh, competitive and it's the kind of place that people want to come to work every day, but they feel like they, uh, they're contributing. I think it's kind of a unique time because I think a lot of the really uh, high potential uh, people that are uh, coming into the marketplace are um, maybe not going into the fields of like investment banking or areas like that as much. They're looking at getting into entrepreneurial endeavors that have a social impact. So, so I, and I can't think of anything, you know, more impactful than working on kind of one of the major social issues in the country in healthcare. Right. So, so we've been really fortunate to get talented, motivated people to, uh, to come to Bright. You know, I'm a big, um, uh, a performance-based culture person. I think it can, and I think performance. You have to think about how you define performance. You know, it's 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 not just about bottom line or you know revenue performance. It's about customer satisfaction, uh, NPS scores. It's about employee engagement. It's about measuring the things that are important mm-hmm. to you and, and uh, broadcasting that to the organization. So we know when we're doing well, why we're doing well, and where we're doing well, and if we're not doing well. We know how to work together to fix it. So, so, um, so it's been really um, been great. I think we're fortunate at Bright Health. They have really a fantastic group of people, and we work hard to kind of keep improving. So, so it's a place that people want to want to work and spend their career with us. Well, very good. Thank you very much for for joining me in this discussion. It was very interesting. The last sort of question, um, you know, where can people find out about you on the web or? Uh, in on Twitter, do you have a are you, are you a Twitter guy or do you have a, a website? So yeah, brighthealthplan.com dot com would probably be the best place to find us, and we've got a Twitter and Facebook account too that they can uh, they can track us down in either one of those. Terrific. Well, Bob, thank you for joining me today. I really I really enjoyed uh, I really enjoyed the discussion. Steve, it's good talking to you. Take care. That is a wrap. Bob Shee of Bright Health, thank you for joining us on the Breaking Health Podcast. Steve Krupa, great job once again. Thank you for your insights and expertise in leading these interviews. If you want to help Steve and me out, uh, just uh, go to iTunes or whatever platform you're using to listen to this podcast. Give us a rating. We have some great ratings up there. Thank you very much, and we'd love to have some more. It helps people find the podcast more easily. Also, feel free to tell your friends about the Breaking Health podcast and newsletter if they have an interest in sort of a VC slash CEO perspective of the digital healthcare revolution. Then they should definitely be listening, don't you think so? So, give us a rating on uh, iTunes and uh, leave some comments if you'd like to tell us how we might do a better job. 
or feel free to shoot me an email. It's tom at healthogy.com. Again, healthogy is spelled the word health followed by the letters E-G-Y. And uh, let me know if we uh, should be talking to someone that we haven't talked to yet. We'd love to have many, many more guests on the podcast. That's it. That's a wrap. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day, everyone. Yeah.